Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Strip by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people. And you know what we... <laughs> I love my intro, it's so fun. <laughs> I love it too. <laughs> my name is Steph Sia, I am also known as Kimchi. I am your host. I'm your host every week, every Sunday. There's a new episode, uh, and every week there's a new guest. So we do have a fancy naked person on today. Very, very fancy indeed. She goes by the name Joyen. Hello, Joyen. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I'm naked right now. <laughs> I'm also naked right now. <laughs> it's freaking hot in here. <laughs> but it's especially hot for you because Joyen is joining us all the way from Manila in the Philippines where it is extra hot because it is humid, hot and wet weather over there right now because I've been there during that time and it's gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the nice kind of hot and messy. <laughs> no, it's just like, okay, I need to take a shower every two hours now. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, <laughs> Joanne is an artist of many, many, many sorts. And I'm going to try to like list it all out right for you right now. I'm going to try to name as many things as I, as I can. <laughs> and then um, I'm sure I'm going to miss a few, but here we go. So Joanne is a dominatrix, fetish, erotic, burlesque performer, aerialist, rope bondage dominatrix specifically, apparently also a rock vocalist and fine art photographer <laughs> which i also read and <laughs> while i stalked you <laughs> i was surprised i'm like what the heck i did not know like oh my gosh like girl how do you have time for all of this where do you find God. the time um i guess um i'm still a little bit old-fashioned when it comes to it i you know those old-timey um performers okay um or even like in, in in Broadway, they would wear a lot of hats. I guess what they call them right now is um triple threat artists. Oh yes, 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 yes. You yes. know, uh, singers, actors, dancers, dancers. Sometimes their their own producers and managers. Yes. I guess I'm still um pretty old fashioned in a sense that I still believe in those kinds of performers, those kinds of artists. Mm. Okay. Yeah. But what? Okay, so yeah. but it's more than three things. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you have a lot of things going on there. Like, I don't even know where to begin, but like how we met. So we met almost a year ago when I was in the Philippines physically, yeah. <laughs> when yeah, I was yeah. still able to travel. Yeah. And we met at um, a workshop at Beast House, which is an amazing pole and aerial studio. Amazing, amazing. The best in the country. It's my home studio. <laughs> there you go. Represent, represent. If you guys are in Manila, represent. check it out. <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. But I remember connecting with you there and I was like, oh my gosh, I like checked you out. I followed you on Instagram. I'm like, girl, man, I should have gone you on my podcast I was like thinking of bringing my like mic and everything with me but then I was just there in such a short amount of time and then I was like yeah, leaving the next flew, night flew out right after that class right I did like I went to the spa right after oh and then I God, flew out wow, wow. <laughs> insane it was, it was tiring and that workshop was really hard <laughs> it was really hard we took like a really intense like floor work class and then there was like <laughs> Two other pole classes that were hard too, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna make use of my time here," <laughs> and I did. <laughs> but I got to meet you, and I found you to be really, really interesting. I totally stalked you on Instagram and online and all the places. But like, can you tell the audience who you are on your own terms? 
in your own words because I just picked what was on your Instagram or on your website <laughs> and I probably missed a couple things. So go yeah, for it. You did really, really well, actually, probably better than I would because <laughs> how I like to um, how I like to explain, I guess, myself to people who ask and they're usually pretty confused. I, I just say that I'm someone who does what she wants. There we go. Nice and yeah, simple. Yeah, yeah, it's really that simple. I mean, um, all of these things, the the BDSM fetish, um, burlesque, and even stripping, they just came about because I wanted to do them. And I wasn't really, I guess I wasn't really thinking about like, the repercussions or the, <laughs> yeah, I, I really wasn't. It just, you know, these things resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And in the process, you know, um, created some waves uh, in this side of the world. Yeah. Without me attending to. That's the funny thing. It's oh like, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it was just natural. Yeah, it was just natural to be all naked and evil and shit. <laughs> <laughs> naked and evil and shit. I love yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. Well, you have so many stories and I don't even know where to begin. Like, did you want to maybe, I don't know, get started with, <laughs> I guess, telling the story and how you got involved with the kink community in the Philippines, too, navigating around, um, like, how conservative the Philippines is as well. Like, there's a lot yeah, of stuff to the unpack shit. there. There's a lot of shit there, so. Um, it's a lot of shit, yeah. Yeah, like, um, did, did you want to try to start there? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. So, I may, be, I may be a stickler for oversimplifying things, but, yeah, all of these things, all of these um, yeah, ventures into into the kink scene, rope, and burlesque and stripping, I would say that they happened by accident. Oh. You know, again, because these things um, came naturally to me. Okay? okay, And I guess when I was when I was very young or when I was just growing up, I, I didn't really go out. It was just me and the computer. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, yeah, I know exactly. They, right, right. We're computer <laughs> babies, practically. And we are. the computer and media raised us. Deviant art. Yeah, oh my god, us. deviant art. And Throwback. Right, right. <laughs> deviant art and live journal were live like my Yeah, yeah. They were yes. my um um standards of, of normal Cree, you know. Right. And when I went out in the world, um apparently I'm weird. I'm strange. I'm how I didn't know. You know? <laughs> these were my these were my aesthetics when I was growing up. So the alternative girls, you know, suicide girls. Yes. Even. Um, it was only then when um, I was growing up and you know, uh, I guess interacting with the rest of the world. That's when I realized that they were alternative things. Right. And mm. most of them weren't available in the Philippines. You know. Mm-hmm. So. I guess stubborn little me um, would put up these these shows and these events. Um, in the process, maybe educating, I found myself turning into an educator, t- turning into a person wearing multiple hats Hat. just by doing what I wanted. Right. Wow. You see, yeah, it, it, it was just that. Like, I wasn't trying to be the pioneer of anything. I wasn't trying to, you know consciously wear a lot of hats it just <laughs> happened and then i'm like yeah you know what that is a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> but you do a lot of things and you do a lot of things well you know like you're basically a kink icon in the philippines like 
I also read. I, love <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. And also, yeah. my, my research, you're also, you were also a Playboy Playmate in the Philippines as well. Yeah. You have exactly. your, yeah, like, what the yeah. heck? And you have your own card in, like, Card Against Humanity. What the fuck? <laughs> you're so crazy. version. That's amazing. That's so cool. Well, you know, it's, um, I guess, because it's a novel thing here in, in, in this side of the world, you know, it's just a matter of maybe I was the one who... Uh, who um, first started doing it this openly and this consistently. Mm. Right. And when it gets around, I mean, it's a small town. It's a small town. And because <laughs> of the internet, because of the internet, I guess it seems like such a big deal. But I'm like, okay, guys, it was all by accident and selfishness. But okay. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Let me an interview with you. So great. <laughs> Well, as you said, like, it's it's still, like, seen, like, BDSM, sex, burlesque, all this stuff, any kind of, like, erotic stuff, or even, like, very sensual yeah. stuff, it's still considered yeah. as very, very taboo, and we briefly talked about that um, during the Sugar and Spice Festival in Singapore last, last week, yeah, yeah. at the time of recording. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so we were able to, like, really, really, really touch on a lot of things there, too, because... Um, it, it is vastly different than how things are viewed in North America. Mm, mm. Very, very different. So, but I want to hear more in terms of like, so I know that you did things by accident <laughs> and on accident yeah. and stuff. <laughs> how did you specifically get involved with rope bondage and the art of like, I guess, ropes in general? How do you get involved with that kind of stuff? I know, right? How can that be accidental? That is um, not accidental because <laughs> you don't literally find yourself in a bind. <laughs> I, well. <laughs> or do you? It depends. It depends. That's nice. That's a good one. I think I'll steal that. <laughs> anyway, um, with, with regards to rope bondage, okay, I guess that it could start. Um, one of my um, points of starting, I guess, is um, it was one of my plates for a fine arts class oh okay i can't i can't pinpoint it to one thing but you know art has always been there art and performance they've Mm -hmm. always been there um in this case i can trace it as far back as college yeah college when i was um coming up with a pre-thesis um set of works collection of works for a fine arts class and you know, all of these things, Deviant Art, Live Journal, probably influenced me to think um, to do bondage photographs or Araki, Nobuyoshi. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Japanese media. Anime, anime is a huge influence. Totally. You know? I don't know why I chose that. You know, I can't remember the reason aside <laughs> from the fact that I found it beautiful. You know, yeah. I found it sculptural, even. Um, I've always had an affinity. Um, towards the the nude um, androgynous body mm-hmm. that was bound in rope, right? You know, and I can't explain um, where those aesthetics come from. You know, they could be from anime, they could be from from Suicide Girls, mm-hmm. um, from from the goth community, from yeah, from a lot of things. But Lots of different that's influences. When, yeah, yeah, that's as far back as I can trace it. Okay. And then um, that's when I started uh, getting all of these reactions, right? Right. Um, I would get weird looks from my professor. 
Yeah, I bet. I get weird looks from my profession. Because I didn't consider it as, you know, as taboo or sexual back then. It just looked beautiful to me. Yeah. I guess um, I was even a little bit ignorant back then about um, the implications of what I was doing, which is mm. why I said that it was accidental. And <laughs> people started inviting me um, to do exhibits, okay? Oh. And I, I didn't want to perform. <laughs> I didn't even want to perform. As in, there was just this um, random guy who told me that, hey, we're having an exhibit opening. Can you perform the photographs that you submitted? It never occurred to me. Okay? Oh, my gosh. So, and then, yeah, it never occurred to me at all because I just wanted to be, you know, someone taking photos of people and tying them up. So tying people up and shooting them. <laughs> <laughs> No that's big deal. What I wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to be. That's why I, I started out as a photographer. Right. Because, yeah, that's really my trade. That's my profession. I really wanted to be a photographer. But it seems like the reception of me performing is a lot higher and a lot better than me, you know, being behind the scenes. Right. So it's, I was like, different. I just went with the flow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, okay, so you were photographing, I guess, models for this yeah 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 and also participating in terms of tying them up like where did you actually learn the skills that just something you learned online or like was there classes for that um that were offered in the philippines or how did you get exposed to that kind of training if there was training (laughs) yeah uh so um here in the philippines along with um doing things accidentally um we actually have uh, a kink community you know, oh. um, in every in every country that you go to we keep in touch via fetlife.com yes. right and you'll see yeah you, you'll see uh, um communities in different countries even like the most conservative countries have the craziest <laughs> communities <laughs> always right? happens so like that. that okay yeah 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 definitely <laughs> right so we had that and in the philippines a rope is actually a major kink okay oh. so you talk to anyone you talk to anyone in the kink scene here they know at least a little bit about rope really wow yeah yeah i had yeah. no idea so, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, people here are kinking motherfuckers. Oh, am, am I allowed to swear? You can definitely Shit. swear. Yeah, 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 feel free to go swear, man. <laughs> yeah, it's fine, you can add that. I encourage um, it. <laughs> oh, great, great. So there, so I sought that out because I had a feeling, you know, I had a feeling because I, I was going to deal with the body and it was bondage right it was restricting or impeding movement i had a feeling that i needed you know some sort of guidance before yeah. i began with something like that so i sought the rope community out and they were able to give me you know my first ever um lessons on safety and risk management mm-hmm. and then i went through this process of um taking local classes um getting in touch with with rope instructors, international rope instructors online, um, subscribing to shibaristudy.com, all of these um, rope resources are available online, buying books, buying books for myself. And it was a lot of um, self-experimentation at the start. Okay. Um, You know, just getting the the literal (laughs) hang of it. (laughs) So many puns in this episode. (laughs) I know, right? I'm, I'm such a, yeah, I love, I love a good pun. I love it. Yeah, so, so there, and then it wasn't until very much later, 
actually um, just in 2018, I think, um, I've had a number of teachers, you know, but none of them were consistent or regular. I, I found the teacher, you know, you know, sometimes a student needs the right teacher yes. to learn. 100%. Yeah, so I found, right, exactly. So no matter how good the teacher is, right, it's it's ultimately like the student who, it's a two-way thing. It is. I mean, it's a two-way process right so right. i found the teacher of my of my dreams of my rope dreams in japan oh okay. last 2018 yeah and i've been trying to study uh, i've been trying to become fluent in japanese so i can go there and get certified by him wow uh, learn under him um how did you how did you find him just through online mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I guess we're going to talk about it more later, but everything is online. <laughs> yes. You know, yes, I, yes. it was like a random trip to it was like a random trip to Japan. Although Japan is one of my favorite countries in the world. And he had a class that day, <gasps> uh, the day I arrived in Tokyo. Oh, so my God. I was even yeah, I was too tired even. But my partner was like, no, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so and when I when I met him there, I was like, oh fuck, you know. He spoke like four English words, and I spoke four <laughs> Japanese words. But it was <laughs> the most meaningful lesson that I've had in almost you know ten years of wow. practicing rope. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Such a great opportunity too. Again, by accident. <laughs> Again, yeah. <laughs> Just so happened to be there, the right place, the right time, right? Yeah, yeah. It's destiny i mean Crazy. i'm a planner i'm a mega planner but it <laughs> seems like the these things happen a lot by chance or luck you know the stars so, are lining <laughs> yeah yeah i'm giving power that's amazing and yeah. it's so cool that you were able to take that class and connect with that teacher uh, in japan because i believe um obviously i think shibari has japanese roots or it was originated in japan mm-hmm. yeah. too so yep. yeah so that's really really cool and that wasn't too long ago too that i said that was just back in 2018 yeah yeah wow amazing this um little rope mongrel lost you know masterless rope mongrel <laughs> <laughs> I, you know um I, I feel like I've learned everything that I can in the Philippines, you know, and you you got to keep learning. There's always mm-hmm. that thirst to keep learning. And I finally found that in Japan, yeah, just wow. two years ago. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> no, that's super cool. I'm just amazed at that. And, like, it, it's just such an intricate um, art, movement, fetish I don't know Definitely. even know where to put it. I don't even want to put it in like a box, but like it's so beautiful. I've seen a lot of rope demonstrations. Like we have a big conference. Oh, I don't say conference, but <laughs> like sex convention here in Vancouver called Taboo. And they usually, yeah, they have like a bunch of demonstrations there too, where you can kind of sit in uh, different workshops. And I remember seeing the one on Shibari and just being so enamored by it and also just really feeling intimidated by like how do I even get started with this? <laughs> it's so mesmerizing. Yeah, yeah. You're right. The energy that um the players, the Shibari players have, it's so it's like watching a painter or a sculptor mm-hmm. um cre- create their artwork. It's like that, but it's with people's bodies and rope. It's 
amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. And where to begin? I mean, of course, I guess I guess since those are those are professional demonstrations, they're already you know advanced <laughs> and beyond. But yeah. But um, the thing to remember about shibari, it, it, just think about it like origami. You yeah. Know, just think about it like origami. They're just maybe two basic folds, like the mountain and the valley fold, right? Right. And then when you um, when you fold them so many different ways, as you go through your journey in origami, you can get to make mountain really, you know, intricate shit. Totally. From there. So it's kind of like that. It yeah. starts with really, really basic principles. And then you just add them up and multiply them and you learn more about them and it turns into something grand. That's wow. how it is. It's like so like, cool. like this like like my experience I guess it just started a very <laughs> simple thing <laughs> yeah though th- totally because it yeah. just keeps growing and keeps adding on to yeah exactly a, a so exactly. many different forms because you have like a lot of different disciplines as well as I mentioned early early on in this episode you were able to really uh, kind of work and I don't know interweave your love for rope bondage with burlesque, with aerial arts, with everything else that you do in terms of movement and, and like mm-hmm. having that artistic approach. I don't even know where to start with this question, but like basically how did you, how, where did you get the idea in terms of like kind of marrying your love for rope bondage and, and aerial arts and like performing because you, mm-hmm. ha- you had those invitations initially where people would ask you to perform at certain events and stuff too. Like how- when did you start to really take on that and like make it your own? I guess it, it was just the natural flow of things also. Mm-hmm. I still tried, you know, very much to... Um, to become the photographer that I thought I was destined to be. I still tried producing um, photo exhibits. I still tried singing in a rock band, <laughs> much <laughs> to everyone's dismay. But then um, it just started. Um, I just started naturally getting more um, performing gigs. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it was a gradual thing. Like it didn't. It didn't happen overnight. It sort of crept up on me that, hey, you know what? Maybe people want to see you on stage <laughs> and, not, and not the person that you're tying, you know? Right. So, yeah. And I, I still have to make a conscious decision to do that, actually. Now, for example, in my social media, I, I used to always feature um, my models and my artwork because I am proud of my models and my artwork yeah, and, of course. and my photographs. Yeah, right? For sure. But then I would get much more engagement um, with selfies. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you know? So I, I guess people responded to that better, the person better. And I just went with flow, you know, when it comes to that. And yeah, it it has been good so far yeah and it's been nice and healthy for me um i also have a tendency i guess to to really give 200 percent to whoever i'm tying at the moment whatever project i'm working on at the moment Great. and almost leave none for me so oh, that's wow yeah yeah that's a bad habit that i have and it it reflects on my so it used to reflect on my social media now it's becoming a lot healthier for me to focus on me 
Yeah, and, totally. Yeah, and and the audience likes that better also, so it's a win-win. I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it takes some time to get to that point too, because sometimes like yeah, yeah. there's a whole like imposter syndrome too. You're like, ah, oh, no. yes, exactly. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know if I'm good enough. Do people really want to see me? Are they really interested in me? Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I totally get it. I I understand completely. <laughs> right. Yeah. I also want to like pivot the conversation a little bit too in terms of like your work as a burlesque artist in the Philippines mm-hmm. in Manila as well. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? How you got started with with that type of movement? <laughs> oh, sure. So you're, this is gonna come as no surprise to you. It also started <laughs> by accident. Another um, accident. <laughs> yeah, another happy accident. So um, it happened around um, 2015 or 2016, I think. It's very young, you know. It's yeah. barely, uh, I think that's a toddler, right? Four years old. Yeah. <laughs> Four years old, five years old. Um, <laughs> and um, I've been in the kink community before that, so for almost 10 years. Wow. Uh, almost uh, twice the time that I've been dancing, right? Mm-hmm. And what do you call this? I had no dance experience back then. I was very insecure with with my movement skills or lack thereof. Oh my gosh. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, but the idea was attractive to me, you know. Um, I was like, yeah. And it even started as I wanted to do um, a, a stripper group, an all-girls Ooh. stripper group, not, not even burlesque. Okay. Oh, okay. Because, um, yeah, yeah, it started out that way. I didn't even want to do burlesque. Uh, burlesque found its way <laughs> towards me because, um, but because I guess it was a way for me to to balance, you know, being an artist and a performer here in the Philippines. Right. Um, sort of easing it in um, my audience also because if I started maybe if I started as a stripper group here in the Philippines, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as um, prolific. I right. guess there would be. Even much more censorship than there is now. Oh, yeah. Know? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's another yeah. topic, too. Censorship. Yeah. Oh, God. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And in, you know, in a developing country that's predominantly Catholic, nonetheless, right? Yeah. Catholic and Muslim. Yes. So so a group of uh, friends and I who were um, all pretty much kinky, we decided <laughs> to, uh, to come up with a with a show, with a burlesque show, with oh, a strip show. Cool. Yeah. And we sold out the shows. We were standing room only. We started wow. getting booked for gigs. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was weird. It just snowballed. We started getting booked for gigs in, in Boracay, which I think mm. uh, you, you might you might know as like the, the nicest beach, one of the nicest beaches here in the Philippines. Yes. I yeah, have we been. were being flown in and out. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, it was like happening before, before my eyes, and I'm like, uh, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even okay. have, yeah, you like didn't have any time to like digest it all. <laughs> no, no, I guess it was just now that you know, now that we're in forced um, house arrest or <laughs> forced, forced retreat, right? Now, yeah. Now I'm you know beginning to slow down and really like evaluate, and uh, I guess. Yeah, evaluate and try to see, you know, what the hell just happened in the past <laughs> few years. But yeah, yeah, that's how it that's how it began, and then now it's this, you know, it's this group. We have like 
20 maybe 20 um members performers oh we wow have a constitution what and we have a website you know yeah that's but, so cool it's amazing but again it's really just a simple thing that snowballed that origamied its way yeah <laughs> to what it is now yeah yeah totally it's almost like a work in progress too and like you said it was definitely yeah like really interesting that you mentioned like okay you were originally going to be like a stripper group and then you kind of yeah, yeah. kind of shifted and we're like okay maybe we'll do burlesque too like did you think that was more because it's burlesque would be a bit easier for the audience to digest um as yeah. opposed to just like going right into stripping right away yeah, definitely. Um, mm. When I was just starting, admittedly also, I I made the conscious de- decision to um, focus on the arts, on the artistic aspect of right. it, mm-hmm. um, particularly because my mindset back then was of an artist. Yes, yes. Okay? It was of an artist. Um, I was doing it, um, I was doing it primarily to create art, to explore with my body, to, to try to um, be comfortable with movement. I was in that mindset back then. And okay. um, the audience, the audience also, which is like this art audience in a, in a very specific part of town, um, also accepted and digested it that way. Right. Although in my, um, in my short career as a dancer, um, as I, you know, learned to, live and grow and fall in love with this art form over and over again. Mm-hmm. I I now identify as a burlesque stripper because oh. I do it. Yeah. You know what? It's nice to do it for for sex and for money. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, Definitely. And it's nice to get paid properly and it's nice to I, I love this job. Yeah, no, okay. it's it's a great job. Yeah. <laughs> Sex work is yeah. real work, guys, and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just gotta say, it is, it is, it is. But I of course went through that, you know, that existential crisis, that sexistential crisis. Also, yeah. Um, yeah. As I was, um, uh, yeah. From then, from then to now, you know, it's a it was a changing thing. I was trying to be at peace with myself. Is this really the right thing to do? You know, right. I, of course, I was struggling with it also because there's so many, you know, evil factors here in the yeah, Philippines. Totally. But now, now that I'm alone here in my living room for almost half a year, I realize that you know, this is great, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm happy, and I am peace with being a sex worker. I love doing this shit, guys, and I'm good at it. There so, you go. Fucking yeah, own yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. But you know what? Like, I, I completely understand where you're coming from because we almost use, at least when you start off with sex work, it's always mm-hmm. kind of wearing a different layer um, in the beginning, yeah. right? So, like, yeah, as you yeah, said, yeah. you put the whole artistic spin on it as well, which, I mean, it is artistic in itself, but, like, you use mm-hmm. that almost as, like, a shield, I find. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and exactly. you're not alone in that. Like, for, for example, for myself, um, when I started pole dancing and started stripping, I'd always, like, throw the athletic part of it first. I'm like, oh, I'm doing it for working out. I'm doing it for my body. I'm doing it for fitness. And then I'm doing it for the money afterwards. But, yeah, yeah. like, it, it has taken me a long time to, like, get to that point where, like, I love doing what I do. Why am I being so shy about it? And why can't I just like wear this on my sleeve? You know what I mean? Like it, 
But I mean, it's a transformation. It's, it's evolutionary too. It doesn't happen overnight, as you said. <laughs> yeah, this is a wonderful way of putting it. It is mm-hmm. a transformation. It's a and it's an ongoing thing. You know, it's an ongoing process. Sometimes there are bad days and there are good days. Totally. But then you know, it, in in general, um, as long as it gives you peace. You know, whatever it is, whether it's for the art side, artistic side of it, or the fitness side of it, mm-hmm. it is it is all part of that. It is, it is, it is work. It is work. It's work, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, totally. And I loved something that you said here too. Um, um, when we were speaking earlier, like planning the episode out, but you were you mentioned that um, you're an advocate of enabling female sexuality through movement and through performance. Would you love uh, yes. to like elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. So I guess, you know, um, because, because here in the Philippines, I had to, I had to introduce a new brand of performance, I found myself becoming an educator as well. Right. Okay, I, I can't just perform, apparently, I have to create my <laughs> audience, I have to educate my audience so that I could sell that performance. Right. And right now, um, it's more... Um, it's very, very much apparent in the movement classes that I've been regu- regularly doing here while in quarantine, the burlesque <laughs> classes, which yes. are, again, you know, more, more palatable for the for the general public, for the general um, dance community here. Mm-hmm. Um, in this class, you know, I, I don't just teach choreography, let's say. I don't just teach sexy heels choreography. You know, that's one thing. Yes. And that's great. You know, that, that that's hard to do. Yeah. But ultimately, um, I, I take a lot of pride in, you know, teaching my students how to think and how to give and receive love. Right. Okay. Because that's something that Filipinos could use a lot more of. Mm-hmm. We forget, we forget, you know, how to build a community how to empower each other one another as women Mm -hmm. in my classes um we're always put up against each other all the time i hate that all the time all the time as in like even in the even in the alternative communities even in like the king communities or the the sex worker communities here right Mm -hmm. um as in a red light district they're really competitive really uh, terrible, terrible yeah. and unhealthy for one another. So what I'm trying to do, at least with these um, regular um, small, small circles, small burlesque classes, is to teach people not just how to perform, but also how to to build a community and mm-hmm. to just ultimately be more loving to themselves first and then to other women, to fellow women. That's so, so, so important. And I loved how you mentioned like the importance and like you stress the importance of building a community, especially during this time, which is like really, really, really tough. Um, Again, in the Philippines, also here in North America, a lot of people have been isolating, quarantining at home. And it's hard to have that human connection just being stuck in your apartment alone (laughs) for x amount of months right (laughs) like sorry uh, like it's it's really cool that you were able to do this and create this community with your classes online and virtually natural it came natural to me like i felt like you know if you if you put someone in like a metaphorical cage for so long and I'm used to doing a lot of things you know and working with a lot of people Mm -hmm. Um, give me the online medium and 
I'll be like, you know, I'll try to, I'll try to work with it, try to create <laughs> something with it. And in the process, you know, um, uh, maybe giving a little bit of my, of my empowerment to, you know, the women who need it the most. Yeah, absolutely. Or able to receive it. Totally. I, I have a lot to give right now and I can now, so I will. Yeah, so why not, right? Yeah, why not? <laughs> now, now is the time, right? Now is the time. Everything is online. Everything is online. Like, was it very, was it difficult or challenging for you to move those in-person classes online and to, like, push and get your students and your following to kind of follow you online? Was that, yeah, is it difficult? Yeah, it, it's a different monster altogether. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it, um... The medium is different, so mm-hmm. I can only comfortably, very comfortably teach uh, dance classes and, you know, do inspiring talks online. It's hard to to do in-person, you know, BDSM session. I mean, virtual BDSM sessions mm-hmm. and BDSM workshops. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is so hard. Like, COVID-friendly and virtual-friendly. That's hard. Bondage. Uh, oh my god (laughs) like how how do you even navigate that like without any like i would assume that you might have a partner to kind of work with or participate with like how would you do that by yourself and without these in-person sessions like it's hard for me to wrap my head around that i know right um there are ways there are ways to manage it like for for example um i have uh i have an online virtual class wherein i teach low risk very low risk self ties oh okay okay and also very low risk partner ties and then um i i don't always require them to have rope it could be things that they could easily find around the house wow really yeah 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 oh cool because bondage you know bondage doesn't always have to involve japanese rope right okay it could be, uh, so there's this, um, I'm following uh, one of my mentors, she's like a Japanese-American, one of my, my virtual mentors, I follow her all the time, <laughs> follow her every, everywhere, right? Cool. Her name is Midori, I don't know if you've heard about no, her. No, but I'll have to look her up after anyway. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Midori, she, she actually brought um, rope bondage in the States. Okay. That's how... Yeah, that's how OG she is. Yeah, I was gonna say. So, yeah, yeah, she was the original, the original geisha, the OG. What do you call this? Uh, oh my god! So I, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. Anyway, um, one of the things that she said, right, about bondage is, yeah, you don't need rope. It could even be psychological. Oh, okay. okay. And you could teach that. For example, she she said that. Um, if she told you, na, if she told you, um, don't move unless I tell you to. That's bondage. Right. Wow. That's psychological bondage. And sometimes, you know, even that could even be the most dangerous kind. Wow. I didn't even think of it in that aspect at all. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because bondage is about impeding or restricting movement. You right. don't always have to use rope when doing that. Interesting. Yeah, you don't. That makes a good point. You don't need to have physical restraints. Yeah, you yeah, can really yeah. like set so, up that like as you said, psychological aspect yeah, of doing yeah, that. Really cool. Yeah. And that's what we need right now. You know, but uh, creative, creative ways to think about it um, in the safety of our home because I can't be there to 
to mm-hmm. spot them, to spot my student, to really guide my student. So I have to think yeah. about safer ways for them to continue practicing, right? Right. And I mean, like, obviously, there, there are some setbacks, as you said. Like, you can't be there in person with your students to help guide them. But, I mean, the good thing about making this so accessible as you have by putting this stuff online, you've been able to reach, like, a wider audience, though, too. So In a way, yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember you were mentioning, like, a lot of your physical shows have been canceled, but you've also been able to connect and, like, do shows. Uh, I think you mentioned London. You also did another show in Vegas as well. Can you speak a little bit about that and how, like, it can also be seen as a positive thing? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so crazy. It's so crazy. It's all uh, that I've been thinking about during this period i'm able to attend you know dance classes in paris yeah in new york i can <laughs> connect with people you know, people there from crazy horse you know it's yeah. crazy yeah <laughs> and the shows man um i guess because now time zones and travel time they're social constructs now they are they are indeed they are they are, right, when you're in the virtual realm. So mm-hmm. I was able to connect with um, CyberTees. Um, um, it's a unionized group of strippers, of oh. sex workers based in the UK. And I'm actually having another show with them on September 3rd. Oh, cool. London time. Yeah, yeah. That's so, awesome. And oh. it's crazy, you know, because I'm able to learn so much. I, I learned so much from them and, and how how different um, their communities are, you know, mm-hmm. what worked well for them. And so I can I can sort of um, reflect these in my little community here in the Philippines. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, and yeah, I was also able to connect with with um, Andre Shakti. I don't know if, if you've heard of, of no. her. She's also a BDSM educator um, based in Baltimore. And I'm also doing cool. a show oh with them um, this September. Yeah, what? so many things are happening. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and on August 28th, I'm doing a show with um, the Virtual Strip Club, which is in Chicago. It's crazy. Whoa, <laughs> that's awesome. So, so many opportunities yeah. that you've been presented with. Yeah, because, you know, they're just there for the taking. I don't need to spend so much on travel. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm stripping in the comfort of my apartment. I'm safe. Nobody can touch me. If I feel uncomfortable, I can just shut off my my, my computer. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Like, it's... It's it's, great, yeah. It's been a good thing. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you there. (laughs) please go ahead I just wanted to say like it's really been cool to like take classes with your favorite instructors or or instructors like that you've always wanted to take classes with but you know can't always travel to the Philippines or like Sydney or Hong Kong or anywhere else right like everyone is able to access these classes now and these shows and these showcases and kind of be um kind of have or be exposed to like a different approach of teaching, different style of teaching, technique yeah. and stuff too, which has yeah. been really, really interesting. Um, I wanted to ask a question. Um, I mean, Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, all of these video conferencing kind of calls, 
that technology has existed for so long. Like, why do you think that we've never seen um, this accessibility option before? Like, how come? I mean, the option has always been there, but we've never taken advantage of it. Can you think of any reasons why we like we haven't been able to tap into oh that? God. It's so I crazy. Know, right? yeah, <laughs> it seems yeah, so yeah. silly. We just, take, we just take all of the shit for granted, man. And of course, <laughs> um, I guess, I guess when you do um, in-person um, shows or, or classes, sure, the the experience is still different. Totally. Um, different. Mm-hmm. Our case here in the Philippines is that, um, let's say, I'm doing a show later in the evening. I have to build my entire day. <laughs> around that yeah because um i'm sure you've experienced this of travel time takes hours (laughs) it takes hours so i have to plan like and also the temperature right the temperature country so i have to plan you know my face has to last in the heat (laughs) and for so many hours um i have to bring my suitcase i have to go there early because i'm gonna get stuck in in rush hour yeah there's so many things and um it's ultimately mentally draining okay um one of my biggest sources of stress is the traffic and just the many oh my god <laughs> yeah. in the philippines yeah it's oh terrible I, oh i have to i have to figure out um how i'm gonna eat mm-hmm. um how you, you know while i'm outdoors and carrying this huge suitcase um <laughs> you know you know it's just so many things to think about um while we're doing in-person shows that we take for granted the fact that we have, we are, you know, we are privileged enough to have um, this this medium to connect with anyone in the world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like it's a, it's it's a huge privilege. Huge, it's a huge privilege. privilege. Like <laughs> it just baffles my mind. Like when you asked me that question, we were chatting initially. I was like, yeah, like that's that's right. Like this has been around forever, but we've never utilized any of that. And now, yeah, like, yeah. everything is online, so <laughs> if you're not yeah, online, you're we missing were... out. <laughs> yeah, if you're not online, you don't exist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't have a presence, you don't count. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it's, I guess we were forced into it, mm-hmm, and, you know, I, I don't know, I guess as a coping mechanism or, you know, a way to uh, to think better of the situation is that I'm trying to see the good in it. You know, oh, and yeah. I do have a lot to benefit from from the boundaries suddenly being uh, removed. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the restrictions when it comes to travel and and time zones. Time zones. All, yeah, they're all removed for me. Right. I'm able to have this interview with you. I'm able to connect uh, yeah. with you. I know. Finally, yeah. <laughs> took almost yeah, a year. <laughs> we've, all, we've always been there. You know, stalking each other online. I know. Now, <laughs> Now we found the time to do this because, you know, we're forced at home. So I'm trying to see the good in it. And honestly, you know, even even if they do discover the vaccine, I'm thinking of retaining my online offerings because it's great. Yeah. Like I was going to ask, too, like, do you think this is just like a current trend just because we are forced into it because of COVID? Or like, do you think that the virtual access, um, do you think that will be something that's temporary and will disappear in the future? I think uh, for some people it will disappear because mm-hmm. um, uh, some people are still uh, they they do prefer in person stuff definitely and some people um, cannot work virtually. Right. Some people cannot work virtually, but for yeah. us, you know, for entertainers 
And I think we should do yeah. like a 50-50 because a uh, 50-50 balance between in-person stuff and virtual stuff because it, it's great. It, it gives you so many options. You can connect with people, teachers, fans all across yeah. the world. You can be international from your own living room. <laughs> you know? Which is which is great so and it's not? not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why not, right? So hopefully it'll be something that's like going to be here to stay and there's going to be some longevity in that. Um, yeah. But I wanted to kind of go into some Q&A here. There's a few yeah, questions sure. that came in. So uh, this person that's asking... I'm curious, in a rope bondage, but don't know where to start, any advice for newbies? Hmm, okay. <laughs> uh, huh. From the start, from the start. Um, I guess the, the easiest way to begin is to uh, reach out to the local community. Mm-hmm. Okay, 100%. so um, it's to go on FetLife, to do a little bit of research on FetLife, um, mm-hmm. to see which um, instructors, which rope communities are available nearby, if that's an option. Right. If that's an option. Because um, these uh, instructors or communities, they usually have beginner-level events. It's like a standard. Okay. They have beginner-level um, It's like an intro- uh, introductory. Classes. Yeah. Uh, what was that? It's like introductory yeah kind yeah, of thing. yeah yeah cool yeah if they if they learn that way then that's great you know if they prefer in-person stuff for virtual stuff uh virtual the virtual alternative is there's this really good um uh website video streaming um uh shibari tutorials it's called shibaristudy.com okay and they, yeah yeah they have they have beginners classes as in like super duper basic like how do you handle rope how do you store rope oh really basic (laughs) really really basic really really basic to super duper advanced like five poses transitioning in the air level whoa and yeah to to begin you know i think it's a really good um starting course um if they just want to to look and observe in the safety of their own homes Mm -hmm. right now Right. No, but again, nothing beats in-person um, instruction when it comes to rope right. because there, there are a lot of risks when it comes to rope bondage, even though it's just floor ties or bedroom ties. There's a lot of risk involved. Right. And actually, you know what? Yeah. We didn't really go over the risk. Can you talk a little bit about the risk with rope bondage as well? I totally like didn't even look at my notes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. It's okay. Um, uh, with rope bondage... Um, it involves a lot of risks, um, not just physically. I mean, physically, you can, you can guess what the risks are, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, um, from impeding blood flow to causing bruises to mm-hmm. nerve damage, more serious things like nerve damage or even death, you know? Right. There's something, there's an image uh, that comes to mind with a person hanging on a rope, right? Yeah. <laughs> hanging on a piece <laughs> of rope. So it, it, the, the physical risks are a little bit more um, obvious. But then right. um, in almost a decade of, of practicing rope, I, I noticed that one of the biggest risks also is the change in behavior, change oh. in yeah, psych- psychology maybe, right. uh, a change in mindset from, um, 
from being tied up or from tying up, it changes people every time. Everyone really? that I've ever worked with, they change when rope is involved, whether for the, it's for the better or for the worse. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even think effect. about that. I, have th- I didn't even think about the effect that it could have like mentally. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, it's, it's a bit complicated. You know, I, us human beings, we have a complicated relationship with, with bondage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, here in the Philippines, for example, it's very closely related to, to kidnapping. Oh my gosh. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Kidnapping and torture. Yeah. Um, so there, there's that, right? Um, how do you, uh, how do you manage that? How do you, how do you prevent that from happening? From happening? Right. Yeah. Wow. You can't leave a bound person alone. It changes them. You know, it right. goes, it, a rope, a rope on your body if you could feel, you know, from anything from a, from a hug, from a nice tight <laughs> hug to, uh, to torture. Right. And that, so that really affects you mentally. Sorry, sorry. Go no, ahead. no, that's okay. There's just such a fine line and like consent is so, so, so important. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. in that kind of role play <laughs> you yeah de- definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. consent um communication which is something also that doesn't come naturally to most people mm-hmm. um what what comes naturally to most people is um assumptions yes you know assuming yes. <laughs> assuming is very natural <laughs> to people communication and consent is not so so how do you know right how do you know when when somebody's changing for for the worse, so how, how do you know when they're hurting in in which area? Right? There, right, there's so many risks when it comes to rope bondage, and not just with the person being tied up. The person tying up also, mm-hmm. I've seen this. I've seen this. They're overwhelmed with this huge sense of power over another person. It changes them. Wow. How do you manage that? How do you manage that exactly? Yeah. So yeah. many questions here. Oh, wow. Okay. That was a really great question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I, no, I like no. to babble. So. No, it's great. <laughs> we, we just didn't really go over it earlier. So I was like, oh, my God, I need to ask this question now. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Before it's too late. Before but it's yeah, too late. The, you know, that's a whole course. That's a whole another two hours of you asking the <laughs> <Yeah. safety. laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is the kink community like in the Philippines? Because you kind of no, briefly the, touched on that earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, the, the king community in the, in the Philippines, I've stopped actually um, trying to monitor the population. I stopped at the couple of um, a thousand, maybe. <laughs> wow. That wow. may or may not be accurate, but okay. this is based on FetLife, on the FetLife groups that we have here in the Philippines. Oh, okay. And, you know, that ranges from anyone from super-duper active community leaders practitioners to lurkers <laughs> right everyone <laughs> everyone that's everyone so from uh, from like oh i'm curious i want to create an account and just stalk people to like super duper <laughs> active yeah yeah people oh and um some of the people even you know fly in and out of the country it's a mix of of both um expats um travelers and mm-hmm. and locals right wow Cool. So, yeah, it's it's pretty diverse. I guess um, it's also because uh, the Philippines is a, a popular sex tourist destination. 
That too, and that's like a whole other topic too. That's oh a my whole God. other topic too. <laughs> oh man, I, I've been meaning to do an episode on that, but my guest fell through. So I'm like, no, I need to oh, find no. someone new for that. Yeah, because I had someone that um, worked for the UN in Thailand, and yeah. oh, just, now I need to find someone new. So that will be a topic once I find the right guest. <laughs> if you guys know anyone, let me yeah. know. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm trying. I'm trying get in touch with this group also the philippine sex workers collective oh okay that sounds interesting we have to google that later yeah yeah it might be interesting to get into yeah sorry go ahead no no yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's okay and i guess the last question again you already kind of touched on it with the first question but um how do you guarantee your safety when you're starting off in rope bondage Mm, okay. So, so um, <laughs> rope bondage. Uh, there are a lot of basic guidelines. Okay, basic guidelines on what constitutes um, kink and what does not constitute as kink. Okay? Right. So um, the most common guideline, and again, this is a whole other topic. So I'm just gonna <laughs> very quickly, um, very quickly explain it. The thing that you will hear most of the time the guideline and we're a stickler for acronyms is ssc safe sane and consensual okay is it safe is it sane is it consensual um safe meaning um there is no risk right okay sane meaning it's within um everyone's every participant's mental bounds Okay. Right? And that's very subjective. That's why you need to negotiate it. Right. Consensual means, you know, everyone has to willingly, knowingly, um, enthusiastically give their consent. Right. That's probably the most basic thing that you'll hear. Okay. Rope bondage, however, falls under another guideline. Oh. Which is uh, maybe the second thing that you'll ever hear as a, as a kinky person. It's called RAC, R-A-C-K. That's risk-aware consensual kink. And okay. the difference between RAC and SSC is risk-aware, risk-awareness mm-hmm. versus safety. Right. And so um, rope bondage acknowledges the fact that risk cannot be completely eliminated, but rather um, steps can be taken to responsibly manage the risks. Mm. Okay, that and makes sense. Yeah, there you go. And all participants agree to that. Right. Okay. So I have like I have like this mega list of here are the risks in rope bondage and I, I like to show that to my to my students you know just so they just so they know you know I don't like sugarcoating so I'm gonna I'm gonna show them all of the risks and this is how you're supposed to manage them and this is what mm-hmm. and this is exactly what you're agreeing on this is the session that you're agreeing to do the presence of all of these risks and this person will manage these risks and these are their um. Uh, capabilities these are their certifications or they uh, do they have a certificate of first aid where's the nearest oh, wow. hospital oh yeah, my yeah, gosh really, yeah yeah wow. it's super duper um comprehensive um this yes. is what we do in the event of this so it's all like that with wow. me i'm super duper formal when it comes to it because i don't like surprises you know no. it's already a very in- unpredictable activity right so i like to manage as far beyond as I can. Right. Manage that risk. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I'm, you sound like an amazing teacher. <laughs> I try. I try because of my accidental experience. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't want that to happen to your students. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know the saying that you should become who you needed when you were younger. Nobody yes. was like this to me, so I'm trying to teach as if I'm teaching myself. Right. <laughs> and I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty um, crazy ass student, so <laughs> I always have that in mind. And that's what's gotten you so far, though, too. Got to start somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta start somewhere and always remember, I guess, that you're ultimately competing against yourself. You're trying to make yourself better first before other people and that just guides you along the way, you know? Of course, of course. Yeah. All good words to live by. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess that's the last question, but before I let you go, where can we find you? Mm. So nowadays, um, I like to point people to my website that's okay. joyandjoyan.com and patreon patreon.com slash joyandjoyan there's so much censorship going on i just lost my facebook oh my god um, yeah my instagram is in, in it's in danger oh, so no. i don't really want to promote those i'll just promote the, t- the top two which i hopefully w- won't get censored from right. <laughs> <laughs> which is a whole nother topic that but is yeah, another um, topic <laughs> censorship yeah Oh, but man. yeah, um, my website and and Patreon should be should do it for now. Awesome. We never know. We never know. But we this, never know. <laughs> this has been so fantastic. I am so glad to have finally connected with you and got you on the show. <laughs> it was so much fun having you, Joanne. Thank you again. I know it's like the beginning of your day in Philippine time. <laughs> What better way to begin it, you know, than to talk about sex and kink and accidents, (laughs) happy accidents. There we go. (laughs) Thank you again for coming on the show today. Really appreciate your time. And um, don't forget to like, rate, share, subscribe, and review, guys. It's Strip by Sia on Instagram. Also, my personal is Sia Steph. And we'll catch you guys in for another episode next Sunday. Bye. listening to strip by sia hosted produced and edited by steph sia artwork by maria bellandorama music by ted d and photography by ian dabern